This is Amanda Hahn. And I'm Josh Waltman. You're listening to the Librarian Lunch Break Podcast. With bite-sized episodes for academic library professionals hungry for what's next. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Librarian Lunch Break Podcast. I am very excited to welcome our guest today. We have Andrew Pearson, the Library Director at Bridgewater College. And this is especially exciting for me because if you remember from episode one, Bridgewater College is where I attended and that's actually where I kind of started exploring the library field. And Andrew was the one that gave me my first library internship and set me off on this whole journey. So Andrew, thank you for being here. Oh, you're very welcome, Amanda. Thanks for asking me to participate, as I, I, I think it's a rare chance to be able to talk about your career, and, and I hope that I, something I say will be of encouragement and benefit to your listeners. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for being here. By the way, I'm, I'm Josh, If for any of our listeners who... Uh, That's true. I didn't yeah, introduce you. Appreciate Sorry, that, Amanda. <laughs> so Josh is also here. Um, but as we get started, Andrew, can you just tell us a little bit about Bridgewater College and the Alexander Mack Library, which I know is changing to a new library. So talk a little bit about what the library looks like and what your role is there. Certainly. Well, we're an undergraduate institution, liberal arts, uh, predominantly undergraduate. Uh, we've started adding graduate programs. We're nestled in the Shenandoah Valley uh, between Harrisonburg and Stanton in a small town named Bridgewater. Uh, our undergraduate population is roughly 1,800 students. And again, we're building our graduate programs. Uh, the library, the Alexander Mack Library, the former Alexander Mack Library, uh, was in its uh, previous building since 1963 and had volumes, volume count of around 90, 93, 95,000 volumes. It has a special collections, the very active special collections, and a museum was attached to it as well at one point. And we are currently in transition to become the John Kinney for Learning Commons. So last year, 12 months ago, we moved the entire contents of the facility out. And that, that was a good experience as a library director. What a rare moment to be able to undertake such a project. And everything worked very, very well. And we've spent the last year with our collections, our, our print collections, and a remote site here on campus nearby where it's accessible to staff. We have our services located in an administration building, and our special collections are located in a remote storage. And, and so we are now waiting. We're about seven months out, seven or eight months out before the building is complete, and we will now we will then move into the John Kenny Fora Learning Commons in a, in a different kind of format than we were previously. I'm director of the library currently, and I'll become director of the John Kenny Fora Learning Commons. And what that really means is really extending what I do currently. I'll be mm. still in charge of library services and directing and directing and developing library services. But it will be in addition, uh, we'll be adding four other services will be present in the facility, uh, IT, Writing Center, Tutoring, and Career Services. And so my task will be to develop creative and collaborative programming among all of these services. At the same time, those four services don't report to me. So that that is part of also the transition and organizational transitions that, that provide some really good challenges in the future. Yeah, and some really interesting partnerships across the campus, which is great. 
Yes, yes, and it's it's been a textbook development. We started our envisioning process in 2014, and it has gone, if you were going to put together a textbook process on what this would look like, uh, it, it has happened here. We had a vision committee that put together the vision that was given to the president. The president approved it and worked on it, and we hired an architectural firm that translated all our ideas into what they're building now currently across the street. And initially, I think there was going to be delay, but they went straight to fundraising, and the fundraising was so successful that they've been able to, they were able to raise 11 plus million dollars in a year that would allow us to continue the building program, and we just transitioned straight into the building program. Wow, that, that's really exciting. I'm, I'm curious, just with, with all of the transitions and everything that had to fall into place here, um, was there a communication strategy to your stakeholders in the midst of that? Yeah, there's there's communic there's different layers of communication, and uh, for example, my communication is working with with my own staff and within the campus, and the president and the office of institutional advancement managed all the communication in relationship to the donors and the external audiences and alumni. So, uh, in terms of moving and the transition, it it just it went so well, and it was really from the dedication of a a great library staff that that worked ahead of the problems. We were able to identify the problems a couple of years out so that when when we actually got the, the, the date, the timeline of when we would move, we had already spent years of, of previous preparation mm-hmm. in anticipation of that taking place one day. And so, so we were well positioned to be able to handle it, and, and it did. It worked out very, very well. That's that's great. All right, so uh, basically, our season for this uh, for this season of library and lunch break is really focused on early career librarianship, and and kind of we're expecting that our listeners are many of them anyway are interested in moving forward in their career, advancing in some way, or maybe even just getting into their career. Um, and so one of our questions is to kind of for those that that are maybe just now graduating with an MLS, um, you know, what can they expect? And so. Uh, how, maybe how did you get into the position that you're in, and what does your career path look like? And, and maybe how how would that um, how would you maybe encourage someone that's just now getting into the profession? Yes, well, I've been here at Bridgewater since '07, and I was at Florida Southern College in Florida for 17 years before that. Five as a reference librarian, and 12 as a as a library director. And how I began, it's not unusual. You'll often hear during an interview with with librarians uh, that uh, I was a history major in college, and initially I was going to be a professor of history. <laughs> It's yeah. not not unusual. It's, yeah. uh, it's either that or often English. Yeah. But uh, my history professor in college changed my whole career because he's basically discouraged me to becoming a history professor. He said there are too many doctorates out there, a dime a dozen, mm-hmm. and he discouraged me from pursuing it. And so, after I left his office, I had to reconsider all my dreams. And oh, my no. <laughs> <laughs> It had destroyed seven years of, of dreams of being a history professor, and I listened to him. I, I, I decided not to pursue. I thought he had a pretty good argument. And so I decided to make my goal to be in libraries, uh, specifically to become a college library director. And I, I started that idea in my fall semester of my senior year, and so that I, I went directly into library school two weeks after graduation of, from college. I went straight into library school, and I got, I got uh, 
went through there in about 18 months, 15 months. And during my course there, all of the people that I spoke with that I trusted and, and valued their opinion, I told them I wanted to be a college library director. And they said, well, if you want to do that, you need to go get a subject master's. That's going to help you. And they were encouraging me to do a subject master's in education. However, I'm a rebel, and I decided <laughs> to do a subject master's in medieval studies because I like medieval studies. I liked uh, the interdisciplinary nature of medieval studies, and so I went ahead and, and committed myself to, to three years of a medieval studies degree at Western Michigan University. And there, the trajectory changed. I had a choice of continuing on for a PhD or going back to libraries, but my plan had always been to be in libraries, so I shifted over to uh, interviewing for positions around the country, and finally, after about 80 applications, I received an interview at Florida Southern College. And this is perhaps, perhaps a tip for any of your listeners, is that when you prepare for an interview, prepare all the way, leave nothing to chance, uh, and dress like you want the job, because you never know what happens during the course of your interview. During my interview for the reference position, by the end of it, they had also offered me the position to become their director later. Wow. So. <laughs> Uh, I accepted that. It was contingent on a few years of experience while serving there. And uh, then so they followed through on their word. And after, after five years as a reference librarian and the retirement of their library director, I became their library director. And I'm completing 29 years in libraries with 24 years as a library director. Wow, that's, that's great. Congrats on that. That's really an accomplishment. Well, it's an unusual, it was an unusual path in that. But the, the, the suggestion is you never know where an opportunity is going to take. Because when I first put in my application at Florida Southern College, I had no intentions of anything beyond just the reference position. Right. But you don't always know who else is looking at you and what their plans are. Mm -hmm. And and uh, be mindful of the opportunity and take advantage of every one of them. Yeah, that's, that's good. So you, uh, you said that you put in 80 applications? Easily, yeah. I, wow. I put in applications all over the country, and my first job interview, <laughs> from everything, I, 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 I was all over the field because as, a, as you're graduating library school, you're desperate. You want a job. You're just trying to get in. And as is often the case, they want some form of experience that you, know, you really don't have yet because you're just starting out. My first successful, not successful, my first job interview was at the Washington School of Medicine, uh, Washington University. School of Medicine in St. Louis as their rare books librarian, <laughs> you know, and so I mean, I was grasping for it and <laughs> enjoyed the interview, but I, I didn't get the job, and, and I'm thankful, and there are other jobs that I applied for, too, that I recall that actually was getting into the interview process, so I knew that that it was only a matter of time. I was getting, I was getting to a point where I was getting something back, but there were plenty of positions where uh, different libraries have different uh, policies or institutions have different policies, so there are many times where I would never even get an acknowledgement of my application. Other times I'd get a very nice acknowledgement for my application. And uh, you work through the interview process, and this is where it's very important uh, when you're in the position that you are now in to make sure that the interview process is as stellar as you can make it because your interviewee will become your ambassador. If you do it well, they will remember you even if they don't get the job, and, and you want that kind of, of ambassador relationship through, your, through the, your, your failed applicants as well as the applicants who are successful. And, and you remember all the jobs where you were interviewed and it didn't go so well. 
So another little tidbit there to keep in mind. I think that's a great point too, because you never know if if you're not the right fit for one position, there might be another position that comes up that they remember you and contact you and see if you want to come back for something else and kind of keeping those doors open and seeing what may come. And your experience is very similar to mine. I also filled out a lot of applications, not quite all over the country, but the mid-Atlantic region. Um, and you get kind of tired of typing in your same information over and over again on the online application, but eventually people start responding and you start interviewing and you put in the work to find the to find the spot that's a good fit for you. It's a good encouragement to persevere, that's for sure. Yeah. To persevere, but I, I think one of the things you learn through the application process and also perhaps by desperation, <laughs> because you so much want that job, is you begin to learn how to create that cover letter that's you. And as a, as a library director, when I go through the interview process, I look at the applications, and when you have 30, 50, or however many applications you, you're working through, and if you if you have years of experience with it, you can pick up very, very quickly whether the person is using a boilerplate cover letter that they've just sent out to 30 other institutions or whether they have seriously looked at your institution and whether they're how interested they're in the job by how they have they have formulated your letter so that so that it's very important to do the research and make the cover letter uh, very specific to that institution showing that they're that you have value that you're offering to them I think that's a, a very important aspect yeah that's a great tip to know that that's something that you notice as someone that does the hiring and the reviewing of applicants yeah, and it's it's and it's really true. I mean, it doesn't seem like it is, but that uh, when you when you have a group of a group of letters, you can tell whether anyone if, if the if the writer took any time to think about you or not, and uh, because it just it just it just shows it reveals itself through the writing, and you see it because you'll see twenty nine other letters that are basically having the same thought process. Sure. And then you'll have one that stands out, or hopefully more than one, that shows that they have really taken the time to think about your institution, what you do there, and what they wish to be able to contribute. So as you entered into library school, not having any prior experience and this kind of being a shift for you from your original plan, um, was there anything that you came across where you thought, oh, I thought I had already, or I wish I had known that before I had started library school, or something that you learned that was really surprising to you as you entered the profession? No, very, very good questions. In library school, not so much. Um, it's really after after you get into your career path, you discover a few things along the way. And I, I would probably juxtapose these. I guess I'll start with as, as, as you start a position, as a reference position, uh, the, the uh, phrase that might be on your job that says other duties as assigned, there really yeah. is no, there's really no limit to that. <laughs> You know, I could never have been prepared for the different kind of assignments that I have to undertake. And um, in the early years, it was like, I, I still remember my first night as a reference librarian, fully employed, my very first night. And I was handling the reference desk solo uh, with just me and one student assistant. And of course, that was when the photocopier broke, the microfilm reader printer broke, <laughs> and the toner, this was the old toner days where you used to have toner into the into the copier and of course I didn't do it quite right because it caked up in the in the in the, in the bottle 
And so, I, of course, I uncaked it, and it came out with a beautiful plume and my beautiful white shirt and tie. Oh, no. <laughs> was then stained with black toner for the rest of the evening. But, you know, it's those other duties as a sign. You know, I'll tell you that in library school, that you're going to be repairing <laughs> photocopiers. <laughs> I would say that the next step for me was as a library director, and and this is probably true in everyone, any position in the library, is that you really don't know what you're going to need to become successful in that position. And so for me as a library director, I had no idea how much I'd have to learn from all the other different disciplines like business administration, human resources, strategic planning, financial management, budgeting, accounting, counseling, law, ethics, philosophy, decision theory, all these things that, that you learn that you wish you could have taken in library school, but if you did that, you'd never graduate. You'd be in there for another two or three years. <laughs> that's true. So. Yeah, that's that's really good. It's, it's interesting, the interdisciplinary nature of the profession, and that's something that we've seen as well. It just it continues to crop up as we as we even as we've done these interviews, I think that's cropped up several times. So uh, that's that's good to that's good to hear. Um, all right. So in your mind, and especially looking at your context and your experience, how, how would you say where would you say libraries are headed? And and you can take that however you want, but you know whether that be in practice or or even in research, where do you think is the sort of next steps for the profession? I think the best word I find in my, from my perspective is the word convergence, is that what you see in most every layer of, of a library operation is a convergence of, of ideas, services, and technologies that transforms what we do into a totally different uh, architecture than the one we had. That, that 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. The traditional architecture tends to be very much hierarchical and territorial, and that just is not possible anymore. And so that where I see things is, 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 um, is towards a different kind of convergence that requires a different kind of organizational thought in how you design and do things. So that, for example, in my job, a good example is I'm moving from a traditional book box library that we had at the Alexander Mack Library, and we're moving to a learning commons model where I'm going to have multiple services there that don't report to me. Well, that, that changes the whole organizational structure and how I get the job done because I can't just say, this is what I want done and tell them to do it uh, because they don't report to me. They don't have to do that. Mm. And so that one of the areas of, of interest to me that I think affects all areas of libraries is something that's come out of the sciences and, and is now being applied to libraries called complexity leadership theory, uh, CLT. And there's a great researcher out there. I recommend Mary Ulbeen, UHL-BIEN, Mary Ulbeen, who's done a lot of work on complexity leadership theory and application. And I think it's, it's trying to adapt our whole service organization as a library with all the convergences that we have meeting our day-to-day -day work. Uh, the complexity means not that it's complicated, but that there's a development of interdependent and interrelationships between everything that we do and with other people and relationships that we have so that you can't just do one thing without an effect on everybody else in the system. And that means you have to develop a communication system and, 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 and an enabling environment that allows people to communicate, to be able to share ideas and work together collaboratively in a way I think that is very different and foreign to, say, 30 years ago. Hmm. Did I lose you? 
Josh was furiously taking notes as you were talking. You couldn't see it, but he was like jotting down names and things he wanted to look up. So that was all really good stuff. Yeah, I can send you a bibliography that I've sort of developed on the complexity of leadership. That would be great. I'd love that. And that's that's an area of, of deep interest to me personally because of of um, just where I'm at in my life and what I'm having to do in my profession. And nothing requires you to learn something uh, more quickly than a project. It's very true. Now, I think it's very true too that it's it's helpful to, at least in my experience, which is obviously much more limited than yours, but. Um, nevertheless, I've seen taking a step back and trying to put some theoretical framework to some of the decisions that we're making in terms of praxis is really helpful. Yeah, and this is where I think liberal arts really comes in, in handy, is that um, uh, being being a liberal arts person, even to this day, and I have a, an incredible addiction to learning, and this is my encouragement to anyone starting out in the profession, is do not restrict yourself to the library literature. It, there's a lot of peat and repeat in our profession, and, and so that uh, you need to be eclectic and read across all the disciplines and look for the connections. Let your intellectual curiosity drive you to connect to business, psychology, sociology, IT, education, no boundaries, so you can find the connections that will help you put together the framework of understanding better on what you need to do and in way, the ways you need to do it. Yeah, that's great advice for sure. Okay, so we don't want to take up too much of your time, but we did have one final question for you. Um, I know that you have been really involved with different local organizations or state associations re- relating to libraries. Can you just tell us a little bit about which organizations you've been involved with, kind of what you've done, and what benefits you found there? I've been involved. I've been involved in different layers. I, I've always believed from my library school days, my library school. Uh, gave a very strong encouragement that you have a responsibility to be involved in your state organization. And so I've, I've tried to do that in my career to, to be involved in the state conference, so Virginia Library Association now, and, and being involved there. And you can usually always find something to learn when you go to a conference if you're attentive. And uh, I've also been involved in uh, a lot of uh, more of the state-level committees that I've enjoyed that are not organizations like the Library Association, but like the Library Advisory Council has been just tremendously helpful in my education of understanding how Virginia is put together. Uh, I'm, I'm very attentive to ACRL and the American Library Association. And I, I found one recently that is perhaps my favorite organization as a library director, and it's called Aladdin Academic Library Advancement and Development Network. They are so much fun. It's a very focused conference for library deans and directors developing programs connecting to donors and fundraising. And oh, that sounds really helpful. It is. It is the most energized conference for me. Creatively, you go to each session and you find yourself just uh, the ideas being released, both from the person who is speaking, but they often are sharing things that you're going like, ooh, I could do this in my organization. So you're sort of on, on um, you're in creative mode the whole time, and that has just been a, a wonderful experience to be involved in Aladdin at times. I have, it, it varies in my ability, but when I can, that's that'd be the conference I like the most. Thanks. We really appreciate that. Yeah, well, Andrew, thank you so much for taking time out of your workday to, to speak with us. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you very much, and good luck to your listeners. Uh, the profession is a wonderful profession to be involved in, definitely for the learning addict. 
<laughs> Very true. Well, thank you to all our listeners. Speaking of you guys, and uh, tune in next time for the Library and Lunch Break podcast. And uh, this is Josh and Amanda signing out. Thank you.